1: Back on another edition of Pot of Gold Extra Point with Carter Carls, I'm Tom Noy, and never a doubt, was there, never a doubt, Carter Carls, up until 1228 on Sunday afternoon when they had the three teams posted on ESPN and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> but wait, let's talk about it first and then let's go back to the graphic and then let's pause At 12.28 p.m., I did get a little concerned. But then I remembered the text message that I sent you last night that said, Notre Dame is an absolute lock. It's an 80-20 that Notre Dame is going to the college football playoff. And Mr. Doubter on the other end of the line said, boy, I don't even know if it's 50-50. How dare you? How dare you doubt? that Notre Dame is going back to the college football playoff for the second time in three years, Carter. Come on.
0: Hey, nothing the committee has done this year <laughs> has made any sense. And so my my mantra has been expect the unexpected. I mean, the fact that Iowa State finished – ranked higher than Coastal Carolina, three loss Iowa State. Like, I just don't even understand what the process is anymore. And, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I think you've got to be happy that that they made it. But, yeah, it was – To me, I just didn't know what was going to happen because I felt like comparing uh, multiple teams was extremely hard when you're not playing an even amount of games, when there's no non-conference games outside of, you know, USF for Notre Dame and all these other teams that are in the mix. So unlike any other playoff selection, I felt like this was just like, how do you even compare some of these teams? It was it was very difficult.
1: Well, they put those the, the, the three-team comparison graphic up on ESPN during the selection process of Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Cincinnati. I think those were the three teams that they had in the graphic. And every category favored Notre Dame. Like there, it, was, it would have been stunning had Notre Dame been left out. And, and it's just something where this is the comparison that I'm going to draw. And, and I'm going to draw it to an, a, a Texas A&M graduate as I start here, but imagine if it was the NCA men's basketball tournament come selection Sunday and your team went through the regular season undefeated, didn't lose. You went undefeated during the regular season. You basically finished first in your conference and come the conference tournament game on a Saturday or a Friday or a Sunday, whenever that conference tournament championship game is played, you lose, you get blown out that's your first loss of the season in the conference tournament championship game, that would be akin to Notre Dame being left out of the college football playoff today would have been akin to that team not getting a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Like if if we're gonna talk body of work, and that's all we heard from the start, where Notre Dame from the start of the college football selection process, back whenever this whenever the first selection show was in November, mid-November, whenever that was. All the selection committee talked about, one of the talking points was body of work. Notre Dame was always in that top four. It wasn't like they were in there, it wasn't like they were fifth. And then all of a sudden they beat Clemson, they jump up to three or they jump up to two. They had always been in the top four. So, and they were second. They were second going into the weekend. And oh, by the way, we do must mention Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC Championship game 34 to 10. That's basically all we're going to say about that. Clemson goes for four, 541 yards Notre Dame 263 yards total offense 44 yards rushing maybe we'll touch on a little bit of that later but back to back to Notre Dame they were second going into Saturday night Saturday evening in Charlotte that's a pretty that would be a pretty big fall for a team that was ranked second in the college football playoff to tumble to five just given all the work that this program had done for four months I, I just can't see how four quarters of football is going to wash all that away.
0: Well, I think what I have an issue with, and and not just comparing them with A&M or it's also with Cincinnati and, and Ohio State, I feel like there's just so much cherry picking of stats. It's it's like, oh, well, in this metric, they're better in this. And in this mm-hmm. metric, they're better in this. And obviously, eye test is another thing. I think it's extremely subjective. And you could truly cherry-pick any stat uh, to, to favor a and Notre Dame, and Ohio State, maybe not Cincinnati, but I, I truly think if, if, you, if you dug deep enough, you could find it. I mean, a and had a better strength of schedule. They had a better uh, strength of, of record uh, or win, win record. And so, like, I mean, there's a couple things you can point to. I ultimately felt like they should have excluded Ohio State from the playoff. I know, yes. I know that might be a hot take, but I think, you know, all this talk about Notre Dame and Texas A&M, I think they both should have been included. And I think they should have left out Ohio State. I think Ohio State got a lot of benefit of the doubt this year. They didn't really impress me all year. And they had an awful schedule. They played two teams with a winning record all year. And Northwestern and Indiana, I know they're ranked, but, like, you got to be kidding me, like, in a 12 game season, if, if they had a legitimate schedule, Indiana Northwestern, these teams are not top 25 teams in the country. Maybe Indiana, maybe. Uh, I mean, like maybe they finish nine and three with, with an easier schedule uh, than in Northwestern. But if you put them in a competent conference, uh, if you put them in the SEC West, it, like I could, I could see five or six teams in the SEC having Ohio State schedule and and going 6 and 0. And so well,
1: not necessarily put them in, in the SEC West. Put them in a season where you have to play at least 10 games. Like that's my gripe with Ohio State. They may as well, they may may very well may be one of the top 4 teams in the country. But I just find it hard if you're going to play a schedule like Texas A&M played in the SEC and you're basically like how many games did Texas A&M how many games was, was Texas A&M not able to play this year? One Two, one, okay. They were able to play every game but one, and then you have Ohio State. They, they they had to they had to bend and, and 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 do this and do that and go this way and go that way just to get to six games. Like there was there was no there was no way they were playing in the conference championship game unless they played unless they got the fu- oh well let's let's kind of bend that rule because we want we want to push Ohio State through to A, play in the conference championship, B, win the conference championship, and given the stature of what Ohio State might have been this year, that's going to be enough for the selection committee to put them in to the college football playoff. Like Everything the Big Ten was supposed to be about this year, they kind of changed the rules along the way and and moved the goalposts, so to speak, to help Ohio State get into the college football playoff. Ohio State got in on what they were supposed to be this year. Had it not been a pandemic, like if it hadn't been a pandemic, they'd be they'd probably be undefeated with with Alabama, and they'd get in. They're six and zero. They played six games. I find it hard to put to, to put Ohio State in.
0: It's a joke. I mean, I I think it sets a really bad precedent. Like you're basically saying, hey, the games don't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really just what we think this team is going to be. And what really annoyed me about the a situation is people act like their loss to Alabama happened two days ago. It happened second week of the season. Um, I don't, I also don't feel like people actually watch the game. If you, if you, if you look, if you watch the game, it was pretty tight uh, in the first half and they were only outgained by about like 95 yards. They had more first downs. They had four trips to the red zone where they didn't score points. I, I mean, I know it was a blowout, but, it wasn't. It was closer than the game indicated. And you look at where they were at the beginning of the season. They are a completely different team at the end. They beat Florida, and then they won six straight games by double digits. They have an elite offensive line now, top twenty-five defense, competent quarterback. They have gotten much better since that game. And to me, the the argument in A&M's favor over Notre Dame. Notre Dame had the argument on paper, but A&M had the argument of okay, do we want to pick a team and see if they were better than they were two months ago? Or do we want to pick a team and see if they were better since yesterday? Like, that's the argument for a and is that, you know, they're a better team than what they were when they lost Alabama. But Notre Dame is what we saw on Saturday. And, you know, you, you point to, well, they have the, the two ranked wins. They have the win over Clemson. That's a better win than Florida. I felt like yesterday really invalidated Uh, to a certain extent, Notre Dame's win over Clemson on November 7th. And so I think, you know, you can cherry pick these stats all you want, but you also have to consider some of the eye tests. The Clemson that Notre Dame faced part one was not the Clemson that they faced part two. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame still did enough, in my opinion, to be better than Ohio State. And so I I just felt like Ohio State got this benefit of the doubt because, They've made the playoff just about every year. They've always had a really good team. They've got a flashy, big-name quarterback in Justin Fields who will be a top pick. They've got a great coach. And, you know, they've got a conference that has sold their souls to, to help them in any way that they possibly can. And so to reward them for that. Uh, and, and one more thing I'll say about Ohio State, you know, a lot of people have made the argument, well, you, you can't fault them for not being able to play a full schedule. You can't fault them for for not playing all seven games. Yes, you can. Like absolutely, that's you the can. Argument I've ever heard. It's like saying, well, you you can't fault Notre Dame that certain uh, teams on their schedule wasn't as good as they thought. You know, you can't fault Notre Dame. Like yes, you can. You can fault them for having a weaker schedule than expected, and you can fault. Uh, Cincinnati for having a weaker schedule uh, than, than Notre Dame and, and Texas A&M. And so I just think so many of the arguments are bogus, and then you cherry-pick these stats without relevance. There was one for Notre Dame that was about uh, margin of victory, and I'm thinking, well, Notre Dame got a 52 nothing win over USF, whereas the SEC, Big Ten, uh, and – yeah, the SEC and the Big Ten did not get an out-of-conference cupcake to play. So I think you can approach it at a lot of different angles. It was a very tough decision. I don't think it was an easy one like, like people will suggest. But I think at the end of the day, to reward Ohio State uh, is wrong, and I think the a and versus Notre Dame thing shouldn't have even been a thing. I think they both should have been in because they both had great seasons, and to me they were the most deserving.
1: So if ND Insider is sitting on that selection committee in Grapevine, Texas today, our top four, I think without question, would be Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Notre Dame number three, and Texas A&M number four.
0: Yeah, uh, the only the only thing that I would say I, I don't I, I I'm comfortable with being interchangeable with A and M and Notre Dame. The only thing is avoiding the rematch if they wanted to do that I I could kind of understand it like to play Notre Dame Clemson immediately after to play A&M Bama immediately uh, or for a second time maybe that's something that they look to avoid Uh, but you know I almost would rather uh, the committee take a chance on like I wouldn't have faulted them if they took a chance on Cincinnati instead of Ohio State either just because they they play their full thing but um, and they've, they've got three top 25 wins. But, you know, I, I mean, I get the appeal with Ohio State. I think they're going to be a, a fun team to watch uh, in the playoff. But ultimately, I think they don't have a very good defense. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to bludgeon them. I think it'll probably be a 20-point 20, 20 loss that they'll have. And I just don't think they're that great of a team
1: this year. And we've seen so many stops and starts from Ohio State. Like, uh, again, on paper, they might be the bet, one of the best, four best teams in the country. But did we ever see that? Like, did we see that in the Big Ten championship game where they just rolled into Lucas Oil Stadium in downtown Indianapolis on Saturday and just worked over Northwestern? No, it was 22 to 10. You know, Justin Fields gets hurt. They're kind of they're slogging through it. They, this, there was never a time where, where you looked at it and said, yeah, wow, Ohio State's really impressive. at any time during the season. And I think you have to to penalize Ohio State at some point because Notre Dame and Clemson and Alabama, especially in the ACC, those teams were ready to go from September. Like the Big Ten said, yeah, we're not going to play. And then they looked around and they saw, oh, Alabama's playing. and They looked around and saw Clemson and Notre Dame are going to play. And, whoa, if we don't play, we might not be able to go to the college football play. Maybe we ought to start playing football. And they started playing football so late to where it gave them no wiggle room to to get to maybe seven, eight, nine games because of all the COVID positive COVID tests that they had and the games that they had to cancel. So Ohio State, Clemson, that that doesn't move the meter at at, at all for me. And I think I I think Clemson, like you said, Clemson's rolling in to the national championship game in Miami Gardens, Florida. And you know what? I think Alabama's rolling in, too. I think
0: one other thing is I thought the ACC and the Big Ten, they, they were doing all they could to favor their top teams, right? ACC canceled Notre Dame and Clemson's final games. Uh, they, they gave them a non-conference plus one uh, game uh, to kind of strengthen their, their schedule a little bit. Big Ten, we've mentioned with Ohio State. The SEC, they gave them a 10-game schedule, no out-of-conference games, and so you look at the conference and it's extremely top heavy and then everyone else just kind of sucks. And so, <laughs> you know, A&M gets like two good games, but you know, in a regular year is Auburn six and four, like they're probably more of a nine and three and ranked team in North Carolina. They really only had to get one win over a bad Miami team to be ranked 15th in the country. And you know, again, Northwestern Indiana. Are these legitimately like top twenty teams in the nation? In a regular circumstance, could could I think you could put six teams in the SEC that could beat both of those teams? Uh, and, and again,
1: look at your SEC bias. Just it's
0: my SEC it's bias.
1: Just just coming bubbling right up to the surface.
0: But I mean, I would argue North Carolina would go undefeated with Ohio State's schedule like i i think like there there are so many teams in the country that could beat or that could run the te- run the table with ohio state schedule and again i just think this whole cherry pick like oh well they got two ranked wins and oh well you know margin of victory like this is just such a weird year where you cannot just look at a piece of paper or a stat sheet and think oh like this is what it is like you've got to actually look at what happened this season you got to watch the games and you know it's just driving me crazy seeing some of the arguments that were made but end of the day Notre Dame a and were deserving Ohio State I get it you know I, I I do think that that they're a good team but we just never saw we never saw them play their best game we never saw them prove that they were a top four team
1: Before we continue on the pot of gold extra point, let's hear from Tyler James, who has a word about
2: Coors Light. Life today is kind of a lot. It forces us to always be on. But every now and then, it's important to just stop, crack open a mountain cold Coors Light, and chill. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. The mountains on Coors Light cold activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. This weekend is the conference title games for just about every conference, nonstop great college football all day and night. It's the perfect time to make sure your refrigerator is stocked with the mountain cold refreshment of Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. If life's pace is wearing you down, make sure you take a moment, pause and refresh yourself with the cold Coors Light. You can even have Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com and find local delivery options. Coors Light, made to chill. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Back on the pot of gold, extra point. Okay, we've gone 17 minutes. <laughs> is, is, your, is your rant, are you done with your rant? Can, can, can you step back for a minute now? Are you good?
0: I guess. Probably need to stop raining. I've I probably annoyed some fans and, Maybe I look whiny, but you know I, I think it's take a
1: deep breath crazy. because we have we have not yet mentioned that. Yeah, Notre Dame got into the playoff, but who are they playing? Notre Dame and Alabama will play January first, kickoff five p.m. Eastern time. And let me see if I can get this right. It is called for now the College Football Playoff semifinal presented by Capital One at. AT&T Stadium otherwise known as the Rose Bowl in Texas.
0: <laughs> right? Rose Bowl in Texas. How weird is 2020?
1: 2020 that's that's got to be again that's a capper right there. They're going to play the Rose Bowl which you, again obviously played in Pasadena on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. It's it's funny did Brian Kelly have a? Th- did he get tipped off that they were they were maybe angling Notre Dame to play in the Rose Bowl? Because the day before the championship game in the ACC, Brian Kelly goes off on that tangent about how, well, you know what, if we get selected to the college football playoff, we may not even go because they're not allowing families to travel to the Rose Bowl, and nor should they. Like this should have been done. This should have been done weeks ago when they had when they had the, the first college football playoff poll or the rankings or whatever move that game out of the rose bowl there are no fans that that are allowed there the coronavirus numbers are through the roof they're out of beds in emergency rooms in los angeles county they have no business playing the rose bowl in the rose bowl this year at all
0: tom do you remember brian kelly uh saying that they wouldn't play at Boston College because no fans were allowed at, at Boston College? Because I, I don't remember that.
1: <laughs> no, that's kind of escapes Like, no, I, I, don't, I don't remember that either. I just
0: think, yeah, it's a little weird. But at the end of the day, this is a, a win-win for, like, Notre Dame in terms of, like, you're getting, like, compared to the Sugar Bowl, you're getting way more fans. I believe it's 16,000 versus
1: 3,000. Yeah, and see, that's that's what threw me for a loop is because I'm watching the selection show, and Reese Davis mentions, yeah, Alabama, Notre Dame, that should have been the Rose Bowl, but they're going to play that in Arlington, Texas. And I thought, is, is he getting some bad information? Because as the number one team, Alabama is going to have the say of where they want to play. What, what what venue do you want to play at? Do you want to play in Arlington or do you want to play in New Orleans? And I thought, given the proximity from New Orleans to Tuscaloosa, that 99 times out of 100, they were going to go play in the Sugar Bowl. But the, But like you said, Apparently, the fan situation makes AT&T Stadium more attractive for Alabama because they're going to have more fans there.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, Dallas is a a great location. Uh, Again, might be a little (laughs) bias there. A little bias there, a little bias. You know, they've also had some outbreaks there, so there will be some health concerns, I think. But um, I think Notre Dame's got to be pleased in the fact that, like, they'll be able to bring – some fans in there. Alabama's going to bring some fans in there. It'll, it'll probably be the, like the, the biggest atmosphere that they've had for a game all season uh, and, and deservedly so for a, a game of this caliber. So uh, I think you have to be happy about that. Um, as far as the matchup.
1: <laughs> You're not happy about that. No. All. Yeah. You, you were working, or I think you were working because you kept texting me like you were, when you were supposed to be knocking out your notes last night from the Clemson Notre Dame game. How much of Alabama-Florida were you able to see?
0: Um, I was able to see about the final half of the fourth quarter.
1: Um, so so not, a, not much of it.
0: But I have watched a lot of Alabama this season, and my goodness, they are scary. They are one.
1: I, they're, Alabama's on a different plane. That Like if, if people are thinking, okay – Notre Dame got its bad game out of its system, losing the Clemson 34-10 in the ACC championship. N- now that's behind them. They can move forward. I-, I don't know if this is an Alabama team that you can move forward against because it's going to take, take literally the perfect game by Notre Dame, play calling by Tommy Reese, defensive signals being called by Clark Lee, who uh, ironically today was introduced as the new coach at Vanderbilt down in Nashville. I, I I don't know how you stop this Alabama team, given some of the restrictions, given some of the limitations of the skill position guys on both sides of the ball at Notre Dame. Alabama, if they're on, can Notre Dame stay within two or three touchdowns? I I have a hard time thinking that. I
0: mean, you look at their schedule, and they have not scored lower than 38 points all year.
1: There it is. I, I just did a little research. Alabama in seven games this year, Alabama has scored, or uh, in, Alabama has scored at least forty-eight points in seven games. In six games, they've gone over fifty, and in three games, they've scored fifty-five. Like they, they just even last night in the in the SEC championship game, where Florida poor clock management by Dan Mullen there at the end of the half. Given Alabama the ball back with, I think, just under a minute to play before halftime, all Alabama does is just go right down the field and score a touchdown there to, to, to end the first half. So they, they are there. They just play football on a totally different level than I think what Notre Dame is used to, than what Notre Dame has seen, especially what Notre Dame has seen from Clemson. Like, here's Clemson. Alabama's at a totally different peak than, than what Clemson is.
0: Yeah, like I think if Bama played Clemson tomorrow, like they would probably win that game by double digits. Like I, I think they're that good. I thought Florida, you no, know, there's some some weak points in Alabama's defense that I think, and an offense as loaded as Florida's, they were able to kind of make it a little bit of a shootout. Uh, I think they probably made it a little bit closer than than it actually was, but. Um, Alabama, they have significantly re- improved defensively. And up until that uh, Florida game, they've uh, really for six or seven games, they'd only allowed more than a hundred rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Six of those, they've got the, the, the best cornerback in the country. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I just think like poor Georgia, poor Missouri, poor AM, They had to face Alabama with Jalen Waddle
1: yeah.
0: is out for the year. And, Honestly, he was just as good as Devontae Smith, or, or maybe just a, a notch below. Uh, Jalen Waddell is, is just a freak. He'll be a top 10 pick in the draft, most likely, uh, even after his his uh, season-ending ankle injury. But, you know, even without him, they've got one of the best ground games, Najee Harris, a 6'2", 230-pound bruiser. Then you got Devontae Smith, who... Every game it seems like he's getting 10-plus catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. It doesn't matter if he's facing uh, Derek Stingley at cornerback or, you know, some scrub. Like, he's just going to go off. And uh, I think Go off
1: in, in, in Devontae Smith. They're, these are like video game numbers for a wide receiver. Like at Notre Dame, guys at Notre Dame can only imagine. They can only dream about playing 11 games, catching 98 passes, for 1,511 yards and 17 touchdowns, like that, th- those numbers are ridiculous. And then you say they have a ground game. Oh, Najee Harris—he just runs for 1,200 yards and 24 touchdowns, and he scores five touchdowns in the SEC championship game. It's like there there are too many skill position weapons that Notre Dame can account for. Like, okay, let's let's key on Najee Harris, or let's key on let's take Devonte Smith away and Steve Sarkeesian. We'll turn Najee Harris into a wide receiver and get him running wide receiver routes. So it's just something. It's an embarrassment of riches down there in Tuscaloosa that I just don't think Notre Dame has enough answers for.
0: Here's the formula for Notre Dame. I'll just give you the, the quick formula to make this close to give them a chance and and see what kind of happens. I think and and Brian Kelly kind of alluded to this during his press conference today. They've got to go full on ball control. You know, yep. dominate the time of possession run the ball, and and just keep the ball out of Alabama's hands. Uh, and then secondly, um, where I think Notre Dame's been good is they usually at least take away one thing that their opponent's good at. We saw it in Clemson round one, where they completely neutralized, completely took Travis Etienne out of the game. I think there's a possibility that they could do that with Najee Harris. I don't think Harris is you know, the all-world back that – I mean, he he's pretty dang good, don't get me wrong, but he's not like a Derrick Henry type guy. That's just – Carter, crazy. Carter, the guy has
1: 24 touchdowns. I know. I know. He has he's, 24 touchdowns, and nobody's talking about
0: him
2: as, as a Heisman candidate. No,
0: nope, Nobody. No, nope. but I, I do think – like, I would probably have a tougher time, and it might be a hot take. I think Etienne is probably a little bit more of a handful than, than Harris is, Um, If you're just trying to defend all purpose, everything that he's doing, it's a little bit hard to account for. Alabama also lost their starting center uh, in the SEC championship game. And Mm -hmm. he was, you know, a semifinalist for the Outland Trophy. So, you know, my thought is if you're at Notre Dame, you're not going to shut down Alabama's passing attack, especially with some of the holes in their secondary. So I think what you do is you, you go all out against the run and, you know, just hope that Kyle Hamilton can make some plays in the back end. You, you hope that, you know, Clarence Lewis can rise to the occasion, that, that Nick McLeod can, can do his thing. Uh, you, you just hope that you get like, uh, you make enough plays. Yeah, you're going to give up 40 points. Right. But maybe you can have a couple turnovers and you're not going to get beat on the ground and you can kind of work from there. If you can, if you get them in third and long, that's where Notre Dame's defense has been really good this season. And then you know, flipping it on the offensive side of the ball, you go all ball control, you keep it out of alabama's hands
1: um long drives ninety seven yards like they did against Clemson at the end, chew the clock, get first downs, be better on third down than what you were Saturday, going three for twelve against Clemson, and just be efficient it's got to be it's got to be excellence and efficiency on offense for Notre Dame to have a chance
0: you know Notre Dame was competitive with Clemson for the first quarter you know they were moving the ball down the field they they turned the ball over their first possession but they didn't capitalize and they weren't efficient they and they got to the red zone field goal they got to the red zone again after that interception and they missed a 24 yard field goal Missed field goal you know and so you've got to be able to take advantage of any turnovers you get you got to make your red zone opportunities and the touchdowns you got to convert third down. You got to get stops on third down. You need a pretty much a perfect game. And I think in some of those areas, Notre Dame's been very good this year. Obviously, third down, spend their money down this year. Uh, they've they've dominated time of possession. I think they have their formula, but I think they're just going to have a way tough time defending Devontae Smith and, and defending all those. How,
1: other- how do you how, like who do you who do you put on Devontae Smith to slow him down? I mean, there, there's not a. There's not a corner that you say, all right, you go take Devontae Smith. No. Yeah.
0: And I think he's used in so many ways that it's not like he's just going to have one guy match, matched up on him. I think you can – you know, that's what makes him so effective is, is he can do it from from all over the place. And, you know, he can beat you deep. He can de- beat you in the short game, the intermediate passing game. You really have to account for him in all ways. And I don't know, would you pick Devontae Smith? For, for your Heisman, or are you sold on the Trevor Lawrence train? Who, who would you per, per, uh personal? I
1: don't know. After what I saw Najee Harris do yesterday, you've got to put him somewhere in there. He's up there. I mean, to, score, to score five touchdowns the way he did on some of the routes that he ran out of the backfield, on what he did near the goal line, like that guy is – is it's like he's he's the second he's – he's close, but he's not quite there. He's like the second coming at Derrick Henry.
0: Yeah, I I still think, you know, I think he's really good. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's a notch below that kind of back. And he's not as, you know, Travis Etienne as a a receiving option is way more hard to stop. And his speed is way, way faster than uh, Harris. Not to say that he's a better back, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of all the things that you have to account for, you know, I think maybe with the center being out, maybe with with, uh, you know, all that, I, maybe Notre Dame can can take advantage and just try to limit the running game. Because to me, it's going to be way more difficult trying to limit the passing game. So maybe they just sell out on defending Najee Harris and just hope they don't bleed in the secondary. I'm I'm honestly just making this up as I go, because to me, it's, <laughs> it's too dang difficult. Like, how do you defend this I, team?
1: I was going to say, you got a whole lot of maybes going on over there, my yeah. man. Maybe this, and maybe if they do that, maybe if they do this, we'll get this out of the way because it'll come up. I don't know how many times. Last time, obviously, last time Notre Dame and Alabama played, 2012 national championship game, January of 2013. Alabama wins 42-14. That's going to come up time and time and time again. But I don't know how many times we can reiterate this. Two totally different programs right now in 2020, and the fact that they got Notre Dame got blown out in that game. That doesn't mean it's necessarily they're going to get blown out in this game, but it's going to be really hard for Notre Dame to make it to, to stay with this team for four quarters. If Alabama is being Alabama, like Clemson, you could see what Clemson was going to do on Saturday because they had the reminder: hey, they they spoiled your perfect season in the ACC. They put spoiled your perfect season overall. They beat you forty-seven to forty in double overtime up in Northern Indiana in in early November. That's, that served as some motivation for Clemson. Like what's, what's Alabama's motivation knowing that they're better than Notre Dame, that Notre Dame usually comes up empty in big games, that they're looking forward to a showdown with Clemson for the national championship. If they catch Alabama sleeping and Notre Dame plays really well, maybe, maybe it is a game, but if, if Alabama plays the way Alabama has played every single Saturday this season, oof, that's going to be a long three-and-a-half hours at the college football playoff semifinal presented by Capital One at AT&T Stadium.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like I've watched a few Alabama games this year where I think teams try to do the whole ball control thing and – you know they'll go in in that first quarter and it's three nothing or it's 10-7 kind of thing, but it can just get just like the Clemson game on Saturday night. It can get away from you in a flash. Yeah. It's boom, eighty yard touchdown to Smith. Boom, uh, another touchdown. Boom, like like you have to have it together wire to wire. And yeah, it's going to be a, a a significant challenge uh, for Notre Dame because you just can't afford to have any any blips. And I think uh i think what yesterday i don't know if it proved it but it certainly you know caused room for concern that Notre Dame playing from behind is just not part of this team's formula no. they're all about pres- building a lead and preserving a lead and then they're they're really good at, at both of those things but when they fall behind double digits you know, they're, they're not they, – they can't go one-dimensional. They're not a strict passing team. Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you find a way to contain Ian Book in the pocket like Clemson did, uh, you know, these wide receivers have uh, trouble creating separation when they don't have enough time or when they don't have Book scrambling and, and you know, the defensive backs are having to account for them. It's, it's a very difficult thing when you're playing these extremely athletic defenses – and they will they will face that in alabama and so that's my big question is if they fall down 14 nothing can tommy reese can he adjust and can the offense play from behind can 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 they do that um, i think they can if it's manageable you know down 7 down 10 maybe but once it gets 14 17 like it did saturday night just very very challenging
1: you got any one last hot take for me <laughs> no? Uh,
0: I think I'm hot-taked out. <laughs>
1: okay, well, it's been a heck of a week for you as far as Notre Dame football coverage, Notre Dame recruiting coverage. Why don't you take the rest of the evening off? Yes, sir. All right, that has been the Pot of Gold Extra Point with Cara Carls. I'm Tom Noy talking Notre Dame football, the Irish back in the college football playoff for the second time in three years. They will play Alabama January 1st, 5 p.m. kickoff time. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff time at AT AT&T Stadium against the Crimson Tide. We will maybe do a podcast on January 2nd. That remains to be seen, but until then, happy holidays.